Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. It's good to see all of you out with us. And it's just great to be able to have the strength and the health to assemble and to praise God together. We have a number of visitors and we're so very happy to have you with us. And we invite you to come back every time you have that opportunity to join us. And if we can help you anyway spiritually, please let us know. Be glad to study with you, uh, answer any questions you have about what we do here or about God's Word. Our interest is to serve the Lord and to serve Him faithfully according to His will and to lead others to Jesus Christ. As believers and as disciples of Jesus, we all desire, we all seek heavenly blessings. And we know that the greatest blessings of all are in Christ, that the greatest blessings of all are from God. And so as men of faith, we acknowledge, we acknowledge the fact that daily we are blessed. We're blessed spiritually, but also we are blessed physically. But the blessings that come down from above do not fall only on the faithful, Do not fall only on the obedient. Our Father, our God, also gives some blessings to people that are disobedient. To people who perhaps are so-called undeserving. In the Bible, the work of blessing another is seen in a number of different ways. For example... We see in the scriptures that people are blessed by God. In Acts 3, 26, you have the apostles preaching, saying to the audience there, to you first God, speaking of the Jewish audience, to you first God raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. People are blessed by God. We read already in Ephesians chapter 1, 3 how Our blessed Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. But also we see that is the fact that God is blessed by people too. In Luke chapter 1, you have an account where you've got the priest Zacharias praising God. He said, blessed is the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people. So here's a man who is blessing God for what he is doing and what he has done. In Luke 24, prior to, you know, later, later, excuse me, after the fact, you have at the end of the book, You know, you have where it says, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. That's the apostles. After the ascension of Jesus Christ, they returned to Jerusalem and it says they were worshiping, praising, and blessing God. So yes, people are blessed by God and God is blessed by people. The third way that the idea of blessing is used in the scripture is people are blessed by people. In Luke 2, it is after the birth of Jesus Christ, and it says there, Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were 
spoken of him. They are at the temple. He's being presented there. And then Simeon, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Behold, the Christ, the child, is destined for the fall on the rise of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Romans 12, 14 says to Christians, as the Apostle Paul writes, you know, this inspired word of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, says, bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. So there are three ways that the idea of blessing another is used in Scripture. The first is people are blessed by God. The second is God is blessed by people. And the third is people are blessed by people. This morning, I want to focus on the idea of how we go about blessing others. So we're going to focus on the third usage, the third way the scriptures talk about blessing another. How do we go about blessing other people? Well, most everyone probably has said and heard phrases like, God bless you, or maybe bless their heart. Yeah, we've heard expressions like that. And those are nice phrases, nice sayings, and they should be said in in a proper way. But does things like that, do, do saying those words alone Fulfill the challenge. Fulfill the call that we have from God where we are to bless others. That is, if I just say that, is that enough? In answering the call that I am to bless other people. So that's what we're going to address this morning in a very brief way. So let's look look at this. To bless someone else can mean different things. And it all depends how you're using it. For example... You can bless someone from the standpoint of giving thanks. To bless means to give thanks. In Luke chapter 6, verse 16, it is Luke's account of the feeding of the 5,000. That amazing miracle that Jesus performed there on that occasion. It fed 5,000 people, which is a handful of food. And it says Jesus blessed the food. It is there in John's account, John chapter 6, 11. It's the same story, the same event. But John says when Jesus did this, he says Jesus gave thanks. And so it's the same thing. When he blessed the food and he, when he gave thanks to the food, it was the same thing. In that context, to bless means to give thanks. He did the same thing with the Lord's Supper. We've just observed this sacred memorial that proclaims the death of our Lord, the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ, how the Lamb of God has atoned for our sins. In the supper, when Jesus instituted that before he was crucified, it says that Jesus blessed the unleavened bread in one account. And then in a second account, it says Jesus gave thanks for the bread. Why is that? Because in this usage... To bless means to give thanks. As a side note, you know, we offer a prayer. We offer thanksgiving before we partake of the bread and before we partake of the cup. Why? 
is because that's what Jesus did. We partake of the Lord's Supper because it's been commanded and we partake it in the manner that we do because that is the pattern Jesus established. Jesus blessed the bread and he blessed the cup. He gave thanks for the bread and he gave thanks for the cup. And so likewise, we do the same thing. When we offer the prayer or the prayers and partake in the Lord's Supper, what are we doing? We are blessing it. We use that expression often when talking about perhaps your own prayers that you offer at your table when you sit down as a family and he says, well, let's bless the food. What do you, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, you're going to give thanks for the food. So that's one way it's used. Another is to bless means to say something good. Romans chapter 12, 14, which we've kind of referred to already, says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So in this context, this particular blessing is not the idea of giving thanks. This particular blessing is the opposite of cursing. It is the opposite of wanting ill will upon another person. And so we're told to to do what? We're told to say something good. We're to say something good. Even from the standpoint of when we're being persecuted. Bless those who persecute you. Say something good to those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. A third usage to bless means to express the desire for something good for others. On the one hand, you say something good. On the other, you want something good to happen to them. In the book of Ruth, that little book in the time period of the judges in the Old Testament, we learn about a man by the name of Boaz. He had land and he had workers and reapers. And we're told in chapter 2 of Ruth, in verse 4, that he had gone out to the fields and he greeted his workers. He greeted his, his reapers. And he said, may the Lord be with you. And then those employees responded in return to his greeting to them. And what they said is, may the Lord bless you. Here they were, here's their employer, Boaz. And he was a good man. He was an honorable man. He was the kind of man you want to work for. And so when he greeted his workers, the workers would respond and say, may the Lord bless you. What are they saying there? They're basically saying, we want God to do good things for you. Blessing someone tells them you want good things to happen to them as well. You want God to give what is good to that person or persons. The fourth and last usage that we'll touch on is that idea to bless means to give something good. In Ephesians 1.3, we've already noted this. How God has blessed us, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That is, God has given us, God has given us blessings. He has given us good things. See, not only has God spoken what is good, not only does God desire what is good for us, God has taken action And he has given us what is good. 
So we can bless in the standpoint of give thanks. We can bless from the standpoint of say something good. We can bless from the standpoint of to desire something good for someone else. And we can bless from the standpoint of to give something good. Our call to bless others is not to be with just words only. It's nice to say things that are good, but that's not all it is. Our challenge of blessing others in our life, the people that we come in contact with, the people that we interact with, that call is not to bless them with words only, but to bless them in deed and in truth. And that's what I want us to kind of focus your thought on this morning. The idea of giving something good to someone. So how do we go about doing that in our world today? Well, it's not easy. It's challenging at times. Because, for example, we are told that we are to overcome evil by blessing others. This is hard. This is difficult. Because the tendency of man is that we want to repay evil for evil. If someone's done something bad to me, well, I want justice. And I'm going to make sure justice is is poured out on that person in one way or another. That tends to be the tendency of human nature. We want justice. And so if something bad has happened to me, I've been mistreated, well, watch out. That's the world's way of thinking. But that's not the call in Christ. In Matthew chapter 5, the last beatitude... The last beatitude that we find here in the Sermon on the Mount says, beginning there in verse 10, Matthew 5, verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, blessed are you, when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad. That's a hard beatitude in my mind. From my viewpoint, that's a hard one to emulate and to imitate and reflect in our life today. That is, when, when, when we are being persecuted for righteousness' sake, when we are being insulted and, and spoken falsely about for the sake of Christ. It's hard to kind of look in the mirror and say, well, I'm blessed. Oh, this is just great. I'm really happy about this. I'm glad. I'm rejoicing that I'm being, being persecuted. I'm rejoicing that bad things are being said to me that are not true. But that's exactly the call because that's exactly what Christ did. And that's what you see reflected in the lives of the apostles. We're studying the, the book of Acts. And you see you know, the, the, the apostle of Christ being persecuted for righteousness' sake, being persecuted for Christ's sake, and they are rejoicing because of that. That's hard enough. But to me, where it really kind of you know, you know, you know, takes it to the next level, raises the bar in the sense, is the, this blessed person... And that's who we are. Christians are blessed people, even when we're persecuted. And in turn, blessed persons are to turn around and they are to bless evildoers. You thought it's hard enough 
to look in the mirror and say, I'm blessed to be persecuted. Jesus said, let me raise the bar a little bit more for you. He says, you need to bless those who persecute you. You need to bless the evildoer. And so later on in the same Sermon on the Mount, in the same chapter of Matthew 5, look there in verse 43, where Jesus said, you have heard, remember he's talking to a Jewish audience here, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. And that's true. That's right. You are to love your neighbor. You know, God said that. But the, the hearing went on to say, and hate your enemy. Now, that's not what God said. God didn't say that. God said, love your neighbor. And the Jewish tradition took it a little bit farther than what God said. But then Jesus comes back and he's going to address that issue. And this is where it really begins to kind of get hard on us. With the idea that we are a people that are extremely blessed and we are to bless others. And even to bless others who are wicked people. And they may, may even mistreat us. Because he goes on to say, verse 44, he says, But I say to you, you've heard this, but I say to you, love your enemies. You know, your enemy may just be your neighbor. Love your enemies and bless those who persecute you. Some version may say, pray for those who persecute you. And so think, here's this idea, blessed people, and that's what we are as Christians, we are blessed immensely. All spiritual blessings are in Christ, and we, are, and we are, are overflowing with blessings, and we're told by Jesus himself that, I, that we are to bless those who persecute us. You know, Peter and Paul said the same thing in their writings as well. For example, over in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, The command that comes through Peter's writing by the Holy Spirit is this. He says, verse 8, to sum up, let me me just kind of sum it up here for you in, in just a few words. To sum up, all of you be harmonious. To sum it, I said, everybody be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind hearted. And humble in spirit. If I stop right there, okay, that's hard enough. But that's not where it stops, is it? He goes on to say, okay, I need to be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind, and humble. And then he says, not returning evil for evil. Or insult for insult. But giving a blessing instead. Isn't that what Jesus says? love your enemies and bless those who cursed you. Don't return evil for evil. Don't return insult for insult, but give a blessing instead for you are called for the very purpose that you might be, that you might inherit a blessing. Sounds very similar to the model prayer when, when Jesus is teaching about how, you know, forgiveness that we, we, we ask forgiveness, but our forgiveness for God is also dependent upon our willingness to forgive others. If I want, want God to forgive me, I'd be willing to forget my, forgive my fellow man. And likewise here, he says, I've been called to inherit a blessing. Well, that means I need to be willing to give a blessing. 
I need to be willing to give it a blessing even at times when I have been persecuted or I have been insulted or someone has spoken falsely about me. This is hard stuff, brothers. Romans 12 says this, Repay no one evil for evil, but rather have regard for good things in the sight of all men. All men means all men. Have regard for good things. Remember, part of the idea to bless is to desire you know, something good for the other person. No matter what, how they're treating you, you want good things to happen in their life. You want good things to come to them. Have regard for good things inside of all men. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do I do that? One way I do that. One way I overcome evil with good is I give a blessing even to one that may be an evildoer. One who is conducting themselves in a way that is unkind, ungodly, unloving. So we have to look past, we have to look past our hurts. We have to look past the unfairness which happens in this life and then say or do good to that person or persons, plural. That's a challenge, but that's the call. We are called to bless others. And so that means I'm going to be able to look past or look above the hurts and the unfairness in life and say or do good to that individual. I have to be willing to share what is good to a person that's ungrateful. I have to be willing to share what is good to a person that may be, in our judgment, undeserving. Why? Because they need to see the light of the goodness that comes from above. They need to see Christ in us. They need to see the goodness of God that has impacted and transformed our lives. We need to be willing to communicate what the idea of a sincere desire that you want something good to happen to that unkind person. Even if they are rejecting the truth that you're trying to share with them, you need, we need to be willing to communicate this, I want what's best for you. I want good things to happen to you. And so this call to bless others has to be a proactive thing in our life. That is, we need to intentionally consider. We need to intentionally look for ways to bless other people. We need to purposefully initiate this in our life. It's not that we wait for someone to do something nice to us and then I reciprocate something nice. No, the call is bless others, no matter who they are. And no matter how challenging the circumstance may be. You know, one way we can fail to bless others is by doing and saying nothing. Have you thought about that? I can fail to bless someone because I said nothing and I did nothing. In James chapter 4, 17, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. We're called to bless others. Even bless those that are challenging people to bless. That it's hard to say something good to them. Because of the things they're saying to us. 
It's hard to do something good to them or for them because of the things that they may be doing to us. But we are to rise above that circumstance. Yes, we shouldn't do bad things to people. We should not mistreat other people. We should not curse other people. Yes, that's good. We shouldn't do those things. But that alone is not enough. Neglecting or withholding good, withholding this good is a failure to bless someone. It is, it is a failure to be a blessing in their life. Going back to 1 Peter chapter 3, we see here that you know, Christians definitely are called to bless or be a blessing in other people's lives, no matter what the circumstance is. And that means that's true in all relationships. In chapter 3, it begins talk, talking about husband and wives and how they need to treat each other. And how they need to behave themselves as husband and wives properly. That verses, that's verses 1 through 6, and, or 1 through 7. But then we pick up our reading again at verse 8. And we're going to read just a little bit further down through verse 12. Because Peter, by the Spirit, quotes from a psalm that helps us to understand more clearly what he's talking about when he says, Give a blessing so that you may inherit a blessing. He says there in verse 8 again, to sum up, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil to evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you are called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For... The one who desires life to love and see good deeds must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil." So yes, husband and wives, the first part of the chapter, are taught to behave themselves. They, so a wife needs to be a blessing to her husband and give blessings to her husband. And, and the husbands need to be a blessing to his wife and he needs to give blessings to his wife. But it doesn't just stop there. It goes beyond simply what happens in the home or in the family. He says it needs to be something in all relationships And so when Peter quotes here this Psalm 34, what he's doing, he's amplifying the idea of the proactive nature of answering God's call to give blessings to family, but not just to family, but to give blessings also to your brethren in Christ, to give blessings to your neighbors, and to give blessings even to your enemies. How do I do that? On the one hand, I need to turn away from evil. And it really hones in on the idea of our words. Sometimes we may not do bad to them, but maybe what we say about them, what we say to them, even if it's somewhat, uh, maybe some sarcasm, is a little bit of a deceitful statement. He says, stop that stuff. Turn away from that kind of speech that speaks evil or has deceit on his lips. Turn away from that, and he said, but rather do good. Turn from evil and do good. Well, that means that's going to require each of us to exercise thoughtfulness as well as self-control. 
That's not always easy because sometimes we say things before we think. And we do things, you know, before we think as well. And so we're called here to exercise thoughtfulness and self-control by being harmonious and sympathetic and brotherly, kind and humble. Why? Because we've been called to be a blessing. We have been called to give a blessing to others so that we may inherit God's blessing. All of this ultimately has to do with the idea of imitating God. That's what this is all about. It's all about reflecting your spiritual parentage. It's all about reflecting who your father really is. You know, speaking a blessing and doing a blessing, it's really, it's more about the heart of the Christian. It's really more about the attitude, our attitudes as Christians. You know, back in Matthew chapter 5, where it, when it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sakes. And when he says, you know, love your enemy and bless those who persecute you. Back in that context, in verse 45 of Matthew, Matthew 5, 45, it goes on to say, do this, why? To show yourself a son of the heavenly Father. Why should I love my enemy? They're my enemy. Why should I bless them? They're my enemy. Why should I bless this person that's mistreating me and, and saying all kinds of you know, evil things or false things? Why should I say good things and write things and do good and write things? Why should I do that? To reflect that your father is God, that's why. To imitate the one who's called you out of darkness into his light. In that same context, you know, Jesus goes on to say, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? The world does that. What makes you any different? You know, if you only love those who are loving you, you know, you know, it, it doesn't make you any different from the world. He goes on in, in the 47th. If you greet your brethren only, what do you, what do, you do more than they? You know, we've been called to a greater calling. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. It's difficult at times. It's hard to reflect Christ every day in our words, in our actions, in our attitudes, in our thoughts. That's why it takes denying self and taking up our crosses and following Jesus. But if I'm going to answer the call to bless others and even bless those that are difficult to bless, I'm going to have to realize it's all about me imitating my father. It's all about me imitating my Lord. As Christians, you know, we are called to be obedient children. We are called to conform to the image of the only begotten son. So what that means is I need to exhibit, I need to show the traits, the characteristics of my creator. I need to show the, the, the attribute of my Redeemer. How? Well, by following the divine example. In the same book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, the apostle says, For you have been called for this purpose. It's in the context of the fact that Christians are having to suffer because they're Christians. That's the context. He says, For you have been called for this purpose since Christ has suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. And the point is, we need to be willing to suffer like unto Christ. 
And then we're told, well, how did he suffer besides dying on the cross? You know, we know that. But in, what's the point he's trying to make? You know, like Christ, I need to follow in his steps. I need to follow his example. I need to be more like Christ. Well, verse 23 tells you what he's really talking about. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Genuinely and proactively blessing others, that grows out of a Christ-mindedness. Philippians 2 talks about how Christ emptied himself. And he says, have this attitude in you. Have the same mindedness like Christ that emptied himself and he went to Calvary for us. It also says that he looked out for the interest of others. He wasn't doing it just for himself. He was doing it for others. That's what blessing is all about. The call to bless others is that you have an interest. You have a concern for them. So you want what's good for them. And you desire that, and, and you'll do what you can to help them along that way. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, talks about the idea of stirring up others unto good works. All about exhorting and encouraging and admonishing to help them become the person they can be in Christ. To reach their spiritual potential. In James chapter 3, verse 9, this is... a uh, a sobering thought is in the context of the tongue and how dangerous the tongue can be and how wicked the tongue can be. And in verse 9, he says, With it we bless our Lord and Father. See, on the one hand, we're blessing God, we're praising Him, we're giving thanks to God. We, you know, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. Does that happen in the world today? Yes, you better believe it. People who profess faith in God, they profess to be followers of Christ, you know, and they make this profession and they turn around, just listen to them. What are they doing? Their speech is full of vile words and they're cursing men. And James, by the Spirit, says this shouldn't be. Blessing and cursing should not be coming from the same mouth, from the same spring. Why is that? Because men have been made in the likeness of God, that's why. God does not approve of vain words. God doesn't approve of vain deeds. First John talks a lot about love. How we're to love God. We're to love him and keep his commandments. But also in that discussion of loving God, we are admonished and we are exhorted about, if we say that we love God, but if we're feeling or sharing hatred toward our brother, then the love of God is not in you. God wants genuineness. God wants pure sincerity. You can't, you can't lo- say you love God and then you hate your brother. You can't say, you're, you know, I- I'm, I'm following Jesus and you hate your brother. When Jesus washed the 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 apostles' feet in the upper room, teaching them the, the, the lesson of uh, uh, service and humility. He says there in John 13, 15, he says, I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. The point is, God is not wanting us to just throw out empty words and not mean what we say. And God is not wanting us to th- you know, throw out 
kind deeds and then not be genuine and real. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for us to reflect the true nature of himself in us every day in all that we do and say. In conclusion, note what this passage says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 11. He says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, who does that? That's God. That's the Lord. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. Some version may say, while you are enriched in everything for all generosity. That's the point there. Which causes thanksgiving through us to God. He says, may God supply you with everything you need in this life. Not just physically, but spiritually, spiritually well. Why? So you can be enriched to serve others. That's what he's talking about. He's talking to the church at Corinth. And particularly in regard to a context of then ministering to, to needy saints and, and being participants and contributors to this need. May God supply you. He's, he's the one who gives us seed and bread And he's the one who can enrich us and fill us with everything we need so we can do the work that we have been called to do. We are abundantly blessed, aren't we? Why? Why are we blessed? We're blessed because of God. Ultimately, it's because of God. But another idea is the fact that we are blessed so that we may be able to effectively bless other people. That's why you're blessed. You're blessed So you can turn around and bless others, whether they're friend or foe. doesn't matter. We've been called to bless our brethren, to bless our family members, to bless our neighbors, our fellow man. We're called to be a blessing to them. Just think of the idea how our God is a God of blessings. He really is. He is a God of blessings who has blessed us with innumerable blessings. A God of blessing has blessed you with innumerable blessings for what reason? So that you may be able, may be able to bless many with the blessings that you have received. Let me say that again. Our God of blessing has blessed us with many, many blessings. For what purpose? So that we also may bless many with the blessings that we have received. And the greatest of all blessings is the gift of salvation. That's, that's the greatest one. And as a Christian who is a partaker of that blessing... You need to contemplate that you are blessed with salvation so that you can share salvation with others as well. And if you're here today, you're not a Christian. You've not rendered obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ by faith and repentance of sin and confess your faith before men. I want to encourage you today to make that decision. Call on the name of the Lord and be baptized into Christ. God is faithful. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. You have to have enough faith 
to believe that to be true. If you are a Christian, but you've strayed from that path, and there's sin in your life that you've not repented of, you've not prayed to God for forgiveness, if we can assist you anyway spiritually, we invite you, encourage you, please come forward now. We stand and sing the song. This